on the field and inside the clubhouse. This is Brewers Extra Innings. Now broadcasting live from American Family Field, here's Matt Foley. It always feels good to beat the Cubs. It always feels good to take a series from the Cubs. The Brewers have been doing a lot of that here over the last couple years. They did not do it in the first opportunity this season when they opened up the year at Wrigley Field. But they do it with a win tonight, and now they have an opportunity to get a series sweep if they can come away with a win coming up tomorrow. Welcome in to Brewers Extra Innings here on WTMJ. My name is Matt Pauley, coming your way from American Family Field. Vinny Rotino, former Brewer and Bally Sports Wisconsin analyst. He will join the program coming up uh, after the news here in about 10 minutes or so. And we are taking you till 11 o'clock tonight as we look back at everything that happened today for the Brewers. They pick up the 9-1 to victory against the Cubs. And when you look at what the Brewers have done here recently, they have won five straight games. They have won, now we're going to start really going back, they have won seven of their last eight this is where math comes in. They have also won 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 of their last 13. You know, th- even this show, like I'll, I'll take some blame for this. This show at times has even had a little bit of a negative tone this year because the Brewers have been not consistent from an offensive standpoint. We've always understood how good the pitching is, and the pitching was really good again tonight. But they, they just keep winning games. They just keep winning games. They lost two of three against Chicago to begin the season. They lost two of three against uh, St. Louis. But outside of that, and, and, you know, what what do you make of a single game against San Francisco when you were flying in here after a Sunday night game and then flying back to the state of Pennsylvania? It's just been win after win after win after win. And it is it's pretty incredible what they're doing it's still early it's still very early but their 15 and 7 record is absolutely deserved and now all of a sudden we are starting to see them put together a little bit of uh, consistency when it comes to what they're doing at the plate now who are they playing they played a Pirates team that's not especially good, although I do think the Pirates are maybe a little bit better than people think they are, but they're not good. That's not like they're going to be contending for uh, – they're not even going to be contending for a playoff spot even with uh, the extra playoff positions this year and the expanded playoff. They're not, they're not a god-awful team, but they're not good. Uh, the, this Cubs team – they don't look very good on paper. Uh, I thought that first series they played this year, they they look like two different, completely different teams, right? I, I, don't, I don't know what it was. Again, I think the Brewers look like a different team from who they were in that first series against Chicago because of the bats, and again, it was so cold. What do you do? But from a Cubs standpoint... They had a really good approach at the plate in that first series. Like I, I watched them, and I thought, okay, maybe maybe they're gonna maybe they're gonna surprise some people. Maybe they still will. I mean, they're they're now eight and thirteen. That's not great, but it's not a hole that you can't uh, dig yourself out of. Uh, defensively today, they were bad. They were really bad. They they made some mistakes that went down as airs. They made some mistakes that didn't go down as airs. Like they just looked like a different team yesterday and today. They're not doing anything from an offensive standpoint. This is just a this is a Cubs team that I thought a lot more of after that first series of the year than I do here at this very moment. I guess you know, somehow we've gone three minutes into this show without mentioning Eric Lauer, who just continues to pitch 
incredibly well. Now, seven innings tonight, one run on five hits, 11 strikeouts, and one walk as he drops his ERA for the season down to 1.93. And he is doing some things that we really have not seen. I've mentioned before, you go back to about mid-June of last year up until now, he and Corbin Burns are neck and neck for who has the best ERA in terms of Brewers pitching. It's not Burns and Woodruff. It's not Burns and Peralta. It's not Burns and Hauser. It's Burns and Lauer that are right next to each other. And Lauer also joins Giovanni Gallardo as the only pitchers in Brewers history to have consecutive games of 11 or more strikeouts and no more than one run allowed, thanks to uh, Kurt Hogue from the Journal Sentinel for tweeting that out earlier tonight. That's a, that's a good stat. That's a good number. What Lauer's doing is incredibly impressive. I thought the most important thing we saw tonight is the performance from Christian Yelich. Three for five, two runs, hit the home run. That was his third home run of the year. Here's the thing that jumps out at me about Yelich, because we've been doing this for the last couple, two, three years, where Yelich has a good game, and you start to feel really good about him, and then he doesn't follow that up. And At this point, what I've been waiting on from Yelich is for him to start stringing together really good performances at the plate from one game to the next to the next. And it feels like we are starting to see that now from Yelich. Not saying he's fixed, not saying everything is good, not saying that there's no chance that he's going to, that roller coaster ride is not going to continue and he's going to go back down where, where you don't want him to go. But he's on a four-game hitting streak. Again, nobody's uh, nobody's putting him in the all-star game because of a four-game hitting streak. But he's on a four-game hitting streak. He's got home runs in back-to-back games. He's hitting the ball hard. He's been hitting the ball all hard all season long. There's a little bit more elevation there on the launch angle. When we get Vinny Rotino on uh, after the top of the hour, I'm gonna ask, the the first question I'm gonna ask him about Christian Yelich is what's what has he seen with Yelich? at the plate, has is there any adjustment that's been made or is it just simply a confidence thing? Is it a bat speed thing? Like, well, What is it? Because we're seeing Christian Yelich right now at the, at the very moment look like the guy that won an MVP one year and almost won the MVP the other. Just the way everything is kind of playing out right now. Again, 162 game season, Four games, three games, two games does not make a season. But that's, again, something that we've said over and over and over and over and over this year is that for the Brewers to get where they want to go this year, for them to reach the ultimate level, for them to be that legitimate World Series contender, for them to be the team that's going to go on a deep playoff run, Christian Yelich has to be an all-star caliber player doesn't have to be an MVP caliber player. You're not asking for 2018-2019, but you're asking for all-star caliber numbers. And it seems like maybe, maybe there's a corner to be turned. Baseball is a really tough sport. Baseball will humble you. The moment you start feeling good about something, this sport will humble you so quickly. It is a game of adjustments. On It's not a game of adjustments on a on a week-to-week basis, a month-to-month basis, this is a it's a game of adjustment on a day-to-day basis. Sometimes, and at bat to at bat basis, like there's a reason that these guys like to look at film 
of their at-bats immediately after they happen because the immediate adjusting process takes place after that. So we're not we're not putting Christian Yelich in the All-Star game just based upon a, a three-for-five night tonight, but I think it's notable that he's getting hits, he's hitting home runs, he's hitting the ball hard. There's just there's a lot going on there and a lot to at least be cautiously optimistic about here at the moment. If you want to join the program, you can do so. 855-616-1620. 855-616-1620. That is the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You can also tweet into the program at Matt Pauley on air. M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. Brewers come up with a win, 9-1 to today over the Cubs after an 11-1 victory yesterday. So they're outscoring the Cubs 20-2 to through the first two games of this series with it wrapping up tomorrow afternoon. We've got the news in two minutes, and then we are back to continue on. We're taking you all the way until 11 o'clock tonight. This is Brewers Extra Innings. Brewers Extra Innings with Matt Foley on WTMJ. The pitch. Here a bullet to left center, a base hit. Yelich is going to score. Renfro will hold at second. And the Brewers right back at him. A wicked line drive off the bat of Keston Huron. Picks up an RBI. Three multi-run innings tonight for the Brewers as they get the 9-1 victory. You know, this is a weird time to bring this up, but it's a good time to make this point because we, we end up having, when, when the team is struggling offensively, we always end up in that stupid conversation about whether they should be bunting more and whether they should be manufacturing runs, yada, yada, yada. And I, I hate that conversation. I bring that up because this game is a perfect example of why you don't do that. You win games with multiple run innings. You win games when you score three in the first, two in the fifth, and three in the eighth, like the Brewers did today. They get the 9-1 victory. They've outscored the Cubs 20-2 to here in the first two games of the series. Welcome in, or welcome back into the program. If you want to join us, 855-616-1620, 855-616-1620, the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Tweet at me, at Matt Pauley on air. Let's bring in former Brewer and Valley Sports Wisconsin analyst Vinny Rotino. And Vinny, let's start with Christian Yelich. Another nice game for him today. He's starting to stack up these good appearances, three for five with two runs, uh, and he hits the home run today. What I, I know I kind of asked you this yesterday, but I'll, I'll ask you the, another version of it today. What are you seeing from him right now? Is it, a, is it a confidence issue, or has something changed with his approach at the plate? I think he has started to try different things, right? We see this all the time with guys tinkering, trying to figure something out at the plate, and he's a little bit looser. He's got a little bit of waggle going on with that bat, and then he's also trying to use his hands more. So we saw that at the start of the season, he's trying to use his hands and try and go the opposite way. I think that is starting to result in him staying on the baseball a little bit longer, seeing him hit the ball to the opposite field, have a little bit more whip out in front with that bat. He's been just missing balls, right? He hasn't been elevating them. It's still coming off the bat hot on the ground, but tonight we saw him, you know, hit a little bit more of a line drive on. It was a ground ball to the opposite field, but that was a tough pitch to get on top of from Justin Steele. And that kind of catalyzed him, I think, to get him some more confidence and all of a sudden hit that hang and breaking ball from Lock St. John out of the ballpark to center field. That's what we saw from him in 18, I'm sorry, yeah, 18 and 19. And then again, if he can consistently 
just do that, right? Just be on time and and get that whip out in front. He's going to hit home runs. I don't know if he's ever going to be the, the version that we know and love from 18 and 19, but at least some sort of consistency with him barreling up some baseballs in the air is going to result in some home runs and some, some damage for him. Yesterday you made note of him just being pitched to and actually getting pitches to hit. Yeah. Hunter Renfro had the, the home run today at the two-home run game. How important is having somebody behind him who's hitting well to force pitchers to continue to go after Yelich? Absolutely enormous, right? I mean, the part of the reason why I thought he got into such a funk last year and in 20 is he literally never got pitched to. They, teams said to themselves, we're not going to get beat by Christian Yelich. And what that creates is a situation where you start to chase pitches. You start to not feel super comfortable at the plate. It's like, well, I haven't seen a pitch to hit in three games. How do I remember you know, what it feels like to be on time? So I think that's part of the reason why he started struggling a little bit. Um, so yeah, it's huge. If, if, if Renfro can continue to swing the bat, if Telez can continue to swing the bat, that's going to be absolutely enormous for the ability for Christian Yelich to get pitches to hit. Jaron Dells uh, texts in and says, as a Wisconsin sports or Brewers fan, is there a better feeling than thoroughly destroying the Cubs? Hope it continues tomorrow. Vinny, I get a kick out of it on nights like these and yesterday. Uh, We know about the fan situation. A ton, a ton of Cubs fans make their way into Milwaukee. And I've never thought... uh, Chicago is one of the biggest markets in the country. They have a ton of fans, sometimes not so much this year, but in, in some years it's a little bit harder to get tickets to Wrigley. In many, you can get to Milwaukee from Chicago quicker than at times getting from one part of the Chicagoland area to another part of the Chicagoland area based off traffic. I've never, I've never had a, a, like an issue with Brewers fans for the way Cubs fans come in here, but I do... I do take some enjoyment when the Cubs fans have to make their drive back to Illinois knowing that their team just got beat pretty good like they did yesterday and today. <laughs> I, I'm with you. I absolutely love it. I love putting L's on Twitter last year. I think the Brewers beat them like 12 out of 13 or something, and I just put L, 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 comma. You know, it was, I mean, I, I just absolutely love it just because they fly that obnoxious W flag in left field, in the left field bleachers when they come here and win. And so I just love pointing. I love, fl- I actually, for the pre and post game show last year, I had my mother make a little L flag, <laughs> a, a Cubs. L flag and I flew it on the post game show last year, so I, I'm I'm with you. It's like it's like they they call it Wrigley North and all this garbage. I love when they come into town. The Brewers hang losses on them. Yeah, I was walking in today and I saw shirts like I'd rather be at Wrigley and Wrigley North. It's like what. What what are you trying to prove wearing those shirts? Like I just don't get it. <laughs> I'm with you. I mean, it's like let's go. Um, you know, just just stay down there if you're going to be that. I, I'll say this: at least they're not as obnoxious and as da- quite frankly dangerous as um, you know some of these fans you see out west at Dodgers games and stuff yeah. like fist fights and stands. So thank goodness that doesn't happen. I, I will say that it is um, it is fun to just to kind of poke at the Cubs fans a little bit. Um, uh, because they are the lovable losers for sure. I think my favorite story. When Eric Thames was here, he told a story about how he was uh, he was using the facilities uh, <laughs> when the Brewers were at the plate, 
and he heard this huge ovation. So he assumed the Brewers had done something well, and he jumped out, and like the Cubs had made a great defensive play or something. And it, it's a, I know it's a very weird feeling, especially for Brewers players for the first time, where you're playing in your own ballpark, and bluntly there's more fans for the other team. Yeah, no, it's weird for us fans too, right? I mean, so we all take notice of all the Cubs fans cheering, cheering, you know, for when something good happens on the Cubs side of things. It's got to be, I never even thought about what the players have to be thinking for sure. Um, but thank goodness, you know, the Cubs, the last couple of years, the Brewers have handled them well at home. I mean, more than that, they've been dominating the Cubs here at home. Um, and so that that is a really good feeling for this for this team. I mean, they're taking care of business in the division is what they need to do anyway. So I'm glad I'm glad the, the Cubs are the brunt of that. Eric Lauer, seven innings, one run on five hits. His ERA now drops to 1.93. It, I was having a conversation with somebody today about how I would like rank out the top five starters. And, and I, I hate even talking about it because they're all pitching at such a high level. Just because you rank somebody at the number five spot or the number six spot uh, doesn't mean they're not really, really good and, and honestly pitching at an all-star level. They're, they're getting six guys pitching at an all-star level right now. Vinny, I don't know where you're at on Eric Lauer, but for me, I probably have the second most trust in him uh, just after Corbin Burns when I look at this entire rotation. I'm, I'm a big Eric Lauer guy. I am right there with you since September. His ERA is uh, under, it's right around two. His whip is like .8. He doesn't walk guys, and all of a sudden he's punching out 10 a game, 13 against the Phillies, you know, and then today as well, like he, he just, he's starting to punch guys out. He's actually, short. I talked about this a lot on the uh, pre and post game show, is that how short his arm action has gotten, which has allowed him to be super consistent, has allowed him to sink things up, right? So everyone listening, like, what is he talking about shortening up that arm action? Remember when Aaron Rodgers shortened up his arm action? It got him super consistent. I know it's different, football, but you know, these guys have the ability to sync things up a little bit easier, be more consistent, and that's what we've seen from Eric Lauer. We're seeing him throw 96, 97 miles an hour every once in a while. It's like, why is that? It's because everything's working together with his delivery. He doesn't have stressful pitches in the games either. Um, I mean, He's just attacking, throwing. He doesn't have to be perfect. He's throwing it to the to areas. He's letting it rip, and all of a sudden he's throwing that cutter and slider off the same spots. And and guys have not only have a hard time, you know, just making contact, but they have a, a, a very very difficult time barreling up his baseball. It's so deceptive. Plus, it's it's elite stuff. I mean, it's again as a starter throwing ninety three to ninety six. That's when Eric Lauer is really really effective. So um. I mean, I'm with you. It's Corbin Burns, Eric Lauer for me with how consistent they've been. And uh, he's continuing to get better. And, um, I mean, there's su- I mean, how spoiled are we, Matt, with this rotation? I mean, every single night they have a chance to, to win. And, and not only win, win handily like they did tonight. Yeah, just amazing this pitching. This team's getting Doug text in, says... Your fifth starter is a 1.93 ERA. He's turning into one of the best pitchers in the league. Do you think they should move him up in the rotation for more starts, or go with the old saying, "If it ain't break, if it ain't broke, don't fix it"? At this point of the season, you can't really move somebody up in the rotation once you start the year. There's three times in the year where you can kind of set the rotation. To start the year uh, at the All Star break, you can move things around a little bit just based upon you. Yeah, that's always a good sign. You can look and see at the decisions that Craig Council makes coming out of the All Star 
All-Star break, see which pitchers they keep on their normal rest to kind of see how he views the rotation, and then obviously going into the postseason when you set your rotation for that. But at this point, those top five guys are starting every fifth day. Uh, when you don't have an off day in there, you're going to get Ashby in there for a sixth start, maybe occasionally. Even with an off day, you'll have Ashby in there just to get everybody an extra day. But Vinny, you can't really you don't really move guys up in the rotation in the middle of the season. It doesn't really work that way. It doesn't work that way. You can qualify them as like, hey, this guy is a number two or a number three. You know, that's what scouts do. They'll they'll go ahead and watch Eric Lauer today, and they'll say this guy's a, a roll seven, meaning he's a he's a number one ace or a two. You know, on a World Series type team, that's what the grade you would put on him at this point, just as far as his performance. And then you see this performance continuing going forward. So that's maybe his question. Like, do you, do you see him and view him more like an ace or a two at this point, and I think we answered that question previously, is that yes, <laughs> hands down, I mean, I think you do at this point. And we talked about this. He, he really started to solidify himself at, in this role, being a number one or a number two in a rotation. Last year in that playoffs, if that playoff um, game, I thought Council took him out a little bit early. I don't think Corbin Burns is taken out in that same spot. and He mm-hmm. took out Eric Lauer. So um, I think going forward, he is not Going, he's going to have a ton of latitude and a ton of leeway to pitch deeper into games. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Tweet into the program as well, at Matt Pauley on air. A lot more text messages. we got a couple phone calls to get to as well. I promise we'll get to those in our next segment. We're back with more in a moment on WTMJ. It's Brewers Extra Innings with Matt Pauley on WTMJ. Flowers, one-two pitch. Swing and a miss. He struck him out with an elevated fastball at 95. 11 strikeouts for Eric Lauer. It's not the big three anymore in Milwaukee. It's the six aces for this Brewers rotation. 9-1. Brewers get the win over the Cubs. They've won the first two games of the series by an aggregate score of 20-2. Welcome back into the program. My name is Matt Pauley, former Brewer Vinny Rotino here. If you want to join us, 855 855- 616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's go ahead and uh, grab a phone call. We've got Sparky in Madison. Hey, Sparky, you're on WTMJ. Okay, Matt, thank you uh, for taking my call. Uh, next week, I believe the rosters have to be reduced by a player or two. I believe it is next week. And also, when Urias comes back, I wasn't aware of it until tonight's game, but Willie Adamas hasn't had a day off, and uh, I don't know what they would have done if he had gotten hurt. Would They would have played at shortstop, but I wonder what the rotation is going to be like with him coming back, because I'm sure he'll play third base. But at the same time, he's going to be playing some shortstop too, I would think, with uh, the situation at hand. So where do you see the Brewers going with these roster changes uh, next week? Could you maybe shed some light on that, please? Yeah, my thought is probably out of the bullpen. I don't think the the like the last guys out of the bullpen are being used enough right now. Now I know they do have to drop down by two players on I believe it's May first uh, is when that goes down. They there was a rule about how many pitchers that you were going to be allowed to carry. You're going to be able to carry some extra pitchers for a little while longer. The Major League Baseball and the Major League Baseball Players Association came to an agreement on that. 
But Vinny, for me, the starters are going so deep into games. I, you know, Jay Cousins is a good example today, and, and I know he's pitched a couple times here recently. But at, at one point, he went. I think it was eight days without pitching. There's a lot of guys down in the bullpen who are going a while without pitching. For me, I feel like if there's a place to take from the roster, it's the bullpen. And maybe I'm going to say that, and all of a sudden they're going to play a 13-inning game where the starter only goes four innings, and you're going to need all those guys. But that's that that would be the exception to the rule at this point. So I think some of the I, – I, you know you can you know who the guys are kind of at the back end, the Gustaves, the Arenas, the, the, the Milners, the – the, the, even the cousins, those sort of guys, it's probably going to be from that group that would uh, probably end up uh, being taken off the roster and going to AAA. A week ago, I would have said Holby Milner and Keston here are going to get sent down because you actually they have 15 pitchers right now on the roster. They have to get to 14. That's my interpretation of what they're doing, right? So down to 26. They're at 28 right now, down to 26, and then down to 14 pitchers. Um <clears throat> So Milner has an option left. I think Milner would be the guy to go. I don't think you option Cousins, even though he is walking guys. He's not, you know, pitching like he was last year. He's still super effective against right-hand hitters um, with that slider. So as long as he's and, and then you do want to continue to build his confidence. He's not at this point like that fifth inning, sixth inning guy like Hunter Strickland was last year that they're going to rely on anymore. I don't think that that's kind of how they view him at least at this point with how he's pitching but I still think you want to try and build his confidence up. It's 97 with a nasty slider still so I think Milner's probably the guy and then I would have said Keston but Keston's swinging the bat right now a little bit I mean, there's there's signs there that he's he's alive and well, um, but at the same time, do you not want to get him consistent at bats and see if you can really tap into something there? So so <clears throat> I, I think that's probably what they're leaning, but we'll see. Uh, I don't I don't see another position player as an option to go down right now. Yeah, the Keston here. We've had this conversation. Uh, how the. To me, I think he needs consistent at-bats at the big league level because I, right. I don't know what him going to AAA and just mashing AAA hitting is going to do for him at this point. But also, the way this roster is constructed, I, I've said this over and over. I know everybody thinks that, well, with the DH, you get all these extra bats for all these hitters. I, I think it's the opposite of that because you don't make as many in-game moves. You don't have as mm. many double switches. The way Andrew McCutcheon is going, he's almost the ever everyday DH, I actually think Craig Council's management managing style works better to the National League rules, and I think the DH actually in ways kind of handcuffs you because you actually don't get the opportunity to get as many guys into a game on an everyday basis. Point taken. Yeah, I mean, Keston has actually not had a ton of at-bats, and he's certainly not having consistent at-bats. Um Unless he's really starting to rake and really consistently hitting the ball over the fence, he's probably going to play this role at the big league level for the remainder of the season. Now, is that valuable enough that it it does it does kind of tamper with his future success a little bit? Like, I, I do think there is some value in him going down and playing every day just to solidify some of the changes that he did make mechanically and then it also continues to get your your confidence but I, i'm with you once he gets back up here and we saw that last year that conf- one over four game all of a sudden shatters that confidence a little mm-hmm. bit so <clears throat> you know at the end of the day 
maybe this is his role, but I just don't see another guy at this point that's the odd man out. I, I, I do think, I'm just looking at the roster, I, I do think that Keston is probably the odd man out. He has an option left, and there's just no other guy. You're not going to send Mike Brasso down with the way that he's swinging the bat either. So um, that's just my take. And I always say that like these these things work each other. I think Sparky yeah. did make a good point. You, Willie Adamas does need to get a day at some point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and Luis Arias is going to be the guy for sure to, to spell him there. Um, I mean, Jace Peterson could play shortstop at some point, um, but I, Luis Arias is is going to be the guy that is going to be your best option, both offensively. You know, I'm a little skeptical of his his shortstop defense. I mean, we saw last year, but if he if he um, kind of can work out some of those throwing throwing issues that he was having last year, then for sure he's going to be the guy to spell Willie Down. Now, I will say this. Willie Adams does not want a day off. Craig Council is going to have to rip the, hide his jersey at the end of the day. So this guy loves to play. He wants to be in there every day. He wants to, to lead the team. So, um, yep, the, good point, though. You do have to get him a rest because at the end of the, last year, we saw him pull a muscle. We don't want to see that again. 855-616-1620. It's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Brewers come away victorious tonight, 9-1 over the Cubs. We'll still hear the uh, post-game comments from manager Craig Council. Also go back through the game with the highlights. That's all coming up. This is Brewers Extra Innings. It's Brewers Extra Innings with Matt Foley. Leads out at second to pitch. Yelich sends one to center deep. Brewers get the win over the Cubs. They've taken the first two games of the series, looking for a series sweep tomorrow afternoon here at American Family Field. My name is Matt Pauley. If you want to join us, 855-616-1620, the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's grab a few more text messages. Mike in Colorado says, uh, despite his loading the bases in the ninth, why do you think Cousins is kind of struggling so far, putting too much pressure on himself to repeat his performance from last year, maybe? I probably should have uh, read this text message when Vinny was uh, still with us. because uh, he would be the one to break down everything that's going on. For me, it's a more simplistic answer. My answer is I, I still think pitchers that are struggling at this point, they're either they're going to have issues throughout the year or what I think is more likely is kind of two things. A, you're still coming out of the shortened spring training, and I do think that's impacting some pitchers. Uh, not all pitchers, as we're seeing a lot of Brewers pitchers have a ton of success. So I, I'm not trying to pick and choose who that's impacting, but I think different guys react to that in different ways. And I think you connect that to the the lack of usage the the thing that these relief pitchers need especially coming off the short and spring training is regular usage not overuse we've seen that i think a little bit with some of the high leverage guys who uh, handle the final three innings we haven't been totally comfortable with the usage of hater and, and williams and boxberger and you got to pump the brakes a little bit on that but also the game dictates when you use those guys a couple you know one-sided wins is helpful in that area I would I would make more of a an, a statement that's got some oomph to it. I would make that more here still another couple, two, three weeks down the road and just see how he performs. you got to get him the regular innings. And that's what I was talking earlier about what you do with the roster. 
some of these bullpen pitchers, it's really tough to find that level of consistency when you are just not uh, getting the uh, getting the innings and getting the work that really you need. So uh, we'll see if Keston here is one of the two guys that ends up getting sent down, but if it ends up, ends up being a couple pitchers, that would not uh, shock me as well. Message from the 262 saying, I'd love to hear from people who complained about trading for Eric Lauer. He just goes about doing his job and has been amazing. Yeah, that trade continues to look better and better and better. You, you kind of knew what you were giving away in Zach Davies, and he's been that guy. Uh, Trent Grisham has had some really, really good moments, but he also has not been able to continue on. And the other thing with Grisham, and I, I like Grisham a lot, you go back to the, the mistake that was made in that playoff game against the Washington Nationals, you, you have a moment like that, a change of scenery isn't the worst thing in the world. You're not reminded of that moment on an everyday basis if you're wearing a different jersey. And I've had some people tell me that that was something that he was kind of looking for after that happened. Uh, and he is a super strong guy from a mental standpoint, but moving moving him made sense for a lot of reasons. And then you're getting a really good run here from Eric Lauer. Plus, we saw what Luis Urias did for this team last year. We'll see if he can follow that up now. There's no guarantee of that. You hear me talk about track record all the time. Uh, Urias doesn't have that track record yet, but if he can walk in and, and repeat to at least a certain level what he was doing last year, it, it's a trade that is just a, you know, there's been some really, really good trades for the Brewers uh, over the years under David Stearns. Obviously, that Travis Shaw trade that they made with the Red Sox, even the way Shaw's tenure ended uh, with with the Brewers, you look at everybody that they got in, that, that trade has been talked about over and over and over as being such a one-sided deal, and it was this this other one might turn out to be that way as well. If Eric Lauer continues on the run that he is on really since June of last year, and if Luis Urias is the guy this year that he was last year, then yeah, that trade goes down as one of the best trades in the history of this organization. 855-616-1620, 855-616-1620. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. The postgame comments of Andrew Craig Council on the way next. This is Brewers Extra Innings. This is Brewers Extra Innings on WTMJ. And then the changeup in the low 80s, swinging a miss. Okay, I was right the first time. I knew it. I already had it written in the book. Okay. Called your shot. I, I, I can't help it. 9-1. Brewers get the win over the Cubs. Eric Lauer was really good once again. Seven innings, one run on five hits. His second straight double-digit strikeout performance. He had 11 strikeouts today following his 13 strikeouts that he had on Sunday Night Baseball this past week against the Philadelphia Phillies. We've seen Lauer, I don't don't want to say reinvent himself, but certainly progress himself. His motion has gotten a little bit tighter. Uh, He's added velocity. He's getting more and more strikeouts, and it it just continues to work in, in making him statistically one of the best starting pitchers in baseball right now. And as manager Craig Council spoke to the media just a little while, he kind of spoke to those things. It's part, it's certainly definitely a part of it. Definitely plays a role in it. Uh, he's he's I think you know if you're asking you can you guys can see him pitching that that way. So. Um, I mean, and, and he's getting feedback from the hitters that his that his stuff is that is tough to hit, um, and I think that gives every pitcher confidence. Craig, what are you liking the most out of all these positives that you're seeing from Eric over the last few starts? I mean, 
I like that people get pitchers get hitters out equally. There's no, I mean, I, he's getting hitters out, and and I mean, I think his stuff is his stuff is you, you just. You know, hitters are taking. He's throwing fastballs, and he's in the strike zone, and getting a getting a swing and miss on a fastball in the strike zone. I mean, that's that's hard to do um, in this league, and, and he's he's doing that pretty well. Like I think he had five of those in the first inning tonight, where he had five whips on the fastball. Did you know kind of like right there that this was going to be like one of those type of games for him where he had that fastball working? Well, I knew he I knew he felt good kind of coming out of the coming out of the gates for sure. Um, I mean, I, I, I told you that for sure. Um, so I mean, he struck out the first four hitters. Um, you know, it, it was yeah, it's, it was a good fastball, and you know, it's playing the way it playing the way it has recently. Craig, offensively, you had tons of two out hits today. Uh, that, that's got to be really encouraging that you win games that way. Yeah, I mean, we we kind of you know we didn't really hit the ball that hard early. Um, and, and, and we got some, you know, we got some production and it was with two outs. We, our, our replay guys did a great job today on that replay. Um, I, on the field, it, it, it didn't look like um, there was much there and they, they did a great job with that. Um, and then, yeah, we just, we got a bunch of two out hits and we kind of, we found some holes. And then, um, you know, later in the game, we, we started hitting, hitting some balls pretty good. Was tonight an encouraging game for Lowell? You know, he beats out that play at first base, steals second. Uh, you know, that great catch. Yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, he, he felt really good tonight, um, just running around, and you know, it's a little bit of a slow start, but we're not, we're not. His at bats are a little low, obviously lower than everybody else's. So he's, um, I think he's getting going, and um, you know, he's doing, win, affecting the game in a lot of ways, which is, which is what he brings to the table. Does it feel like Christian and Hunter are maybe at the start of a hot streak? Um, I mean, I think Yelly's been, you know, there's there's been some great things with Yelly for sure. Um, you know, I thought thought the the base hit to left was, you know, off off uh, steel was. It's kind of a tough pitch to hit, hard ground ball. You know, that's that's kind of if. You know that's Christian Yelich to me as much as the home run, really. Um, so, I was that was my favorite at bat of the night. Really, is that hard ground ball he hit to 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 left field? It's interesting. His favorite at bat of the night. So, uh, and I think Christian Yelich's performance today and just the way he's swinging it, how hard he's hitting the ball, the fact that he is starting to get a little bit more loft on some of these hits as well. There's a lot of good things right now when it comes to Christian Yelich. Speaking of a lot of things, we've got a lot of highlights for you. We'll play them next. Brewers get the win over the Cubs 9-1. This is Brewers Extra Innings. Ready for this? Get up! This? Get up! And this? Time for tonight's highlights. Here's Matt Foley. 9-1, Brewers get the win over the Cubs starting in a pitching matchup. The Brewers have Eric Lauer on the mound while Justin Steele gets the start for Chicago. A lot of Eric Lauer strikeouts in this one. Top of the first inning, Nick Madrigal strikes out. Wilson Contreras strikes out. It brings up Patrick Wisdom. And then the changeup in the low 80s, swing and a miss. Okay, I was right the first time. I knew it. I already had it written in the book. Okay. Called your shot. I, I, I can't help it. First three Cubs hitters all go down by way of a striking out. 
And then the Brewers take the early lead in the bottom of the first inning. It all gets started with Andrew McCutcheon reaching on a throwing air with one out. Christian Yelich is at the plate. 2-1 delivery. Yelich lines one to center. Base hit. That will send McCutcheon the second, now to third, as there's another bobble. Yelich going in the second on what will be another error charge to Chicago. That's Hermosillo in center, who bobbled an easy play. Yeah, hit in an error, puts runners on at second and third. Two errors for the Cubs. They seemingly weren't ready for this one. Three strikeouts for their hitters and two errors, and you were only, what, one, uh, four outs into the game. Not good when... A single team's errors and strikeouts outnumber the outs that have been uh, recorded. Anyways, uh, the inning continues. Next hitter, Hunter Renfro. Fouled again, or is it? Nope, it's a fair ball. It's going to be a run for the crew. And the ball, as Steele tagged Renfro, popped out of his glove. So Christian Yelich is at third, and Keston here is at the plate. The pitch. Here a bullet to left center, a base hit. Yelich is going to score. Renfro will hold at second. And the Brewers right back at him. A wicked line drive off the bat of Keston Hiram. Picks up an RBI. Lorenzo Kane then reaches on a fielder's choice where Keston Hira is out at second. Initially, Kane was ruled out at first. They went to replay. It was really close, but they brought everybody back onto the field. That was tough. The Cubs had left the field. They had to get brought back on. Uh, Justin Seal was not happy about that. He was visibly annoyed, startled, alerted, like whatever. It just didn't work out for him, and uh, it certainly didn't work out as the inning would continue as Rowdy Telez does this. Now the pitch. Telez, base hit to center. Another runs in. Lorenzo Kane's going to wind up at third. It is 3-0. Telez comes through with a base hit with two down. Three runs, four hits, two errors in the bottom of the first, and the Brewers have a 3-0 lead. The Cubs do get one of those runs back in the top of the second, thanks to Jan Gomes. Hit to left, deep. Warning track going to be gone for Jan Gomes. No doubt about that one. And the Cubs are on the board. And you hear the Cub fans here finally got something to cheer about. That would be about it. They were done with their cheering by the time the second inning came to an end. In the third, that was the only blemish for Eric Lauer. He really uh, locks in. He allowed a couple hits in the third inning. So two on, two outs, third inning. Seiya Suzuki at the plate. 2-2 pitch. Fly ball, right field. Renfro, though, moving to his left and back a couple of steps to make the catch. And the inning is over. So we go to the bottom of the third inning. Brewers tag on another run with one out. Lorenzo Kane walks. He then steals second. After the second out is recorded, it's Mike Brasso at the plate. One-two pitch to Brasso. And he pokes this one into left center field. That's going to drop in there for a base hit. Kane around third. He's going to score. And the Brewers have lengthened that lead. It's 4-1 to crew on an RBI single from Mike Brasso. And then Eric Lauer would follow that up with a 1-2-3 inning. Frank Schwindel lines out. Jan Gome grounds out. And uh, Jan Gomes grounds out. There you go. And that brings up Ian Happ. Here comes the 3-2 pitch. Swing and a miss. He struck him out with a slider, and he works through the Cubs. One, two, three here in the top of the fourth. Four to one the score. It would stay that way until the fifth inning. New pitcher into the game for the Cubs is Michael Rucker. First batter he faces, Hunter Renfro. He gets a base hit. 
Then the next two outs are recorded, and it brings up Rowdy Tellez. Michael Rucker deals again. Hit to center and deep. Get up! Get up! Get out of here! Gone for Rowdy Tellez! And the Brewers add two more on a blistering home run to dead center by Rowdy Tellez. Yeah, he got absolutely all of that one, a 99th percentile home run for Rowdy Telez as that ball ended up traveling 421 feet, leaving the bat at 109 miles per hour. In the sixth inning, Eric Lauer continuing to pitch. He gives up a base hit to Wilson Contreras, but after a strikeout of Patrick Wisdom, Seiya Suzuki stands in. Check by Lauer in the pitch. Bouncer, double play ball to second one, and the relay, yes! Five to four to three to end the Cubs' sixth inning. It was an interesting seventh inning as Eric Lauer again just continuing to roll through. First battery faces in the seventh, Frank Swindell. Lauer brings home the pitch and a swing and a miss. Struck him out with a fastball at 94. And that is strikeout number 10 for Eric Lauer. Back into double digits with strikeouts. Second straight game after he had 13 against the Phillies. Next hitter is Jan Gomes. Long look in for Lauer. Here's the 1-1. And this is hit pretty well out to left center. Kane on his horse, racing onto the warning track. He made the catch. Lorenzo Kane shaking his head, saying not today. It's amazing how fast he can run. That was a great play by Kane. That's the second out after a walk is issued to Ian Happ. It's Michael Hermosillo at the plate. Flowers, one-two pitch. Swing and a miss. He struck him out with an elevated fastball at 95. 11 strikeouts for Eric Lauer. It's not the big three anymore in Milwaukee. It's the six aces for this Brewers rotation. And that's how his day would come to an end. Lauer would be done through those seven innings, giving up just the one run. Trevor Gott would come in, pitch the eighth inning, put up a zero, and then the Brewers add to their offensive day in the bottom of the eighth. With a couple outs, Willie Adamas is standing in. And the pitch. Line to left, deep, warning track, and it is going to get off the wall. Willie Adamas digging for second. He'll be in there with a standing double. That was about as close to a home run as you can get. He just barely missed getting it out of here. So Adamas, the two-out double. It didn't matter. He was going to come home anyways. Next hitter is Christian Yelich. Leads out at second to pitch. Yelich sends one to center deep. Get up! Get up! Get out of here! Gone for Christian Yelich! Two-run shot for Yelich. Yelich with a home run, his second in as many days. Brewers aren't done yet. Next hitter, Hunter Renfro. The pitch. Hit to left. Deep. Get up. Get up. Get out of here. Gone for Hunter Renfro. And they add one more on a rocket to left. So that makes it 9-1. That ends up being the final score. Jake Cousins comes in to pitch the ninth inning to finish off the game. He runs into a little bit of trouble. He gives up a double to Patrick Wisdom. Then he walks Suzuki after striking out Frank Schwindel. Jan Gomes walks. So that loads the bases with one out. First, he faces off against Ian Happ. He strikes him out swinging. That's big. So two outs in the inning. And Rafael Ortega comes up as a pinch hitter. Jake Cousins coming back. Here it is. Hey! Struck him out swinging. 
time the inning is over, he strikes out the side after loading the bases. Final score, Brewers 9, Cubs 1. With the win, the Brewers go to 15-7. and seven. The Cubs drop to 8-13, and 13, winning totals for the crew. Nine runs, 12 hits, no errors. They leave seven. For the Cubs, one run, six hits, two errors. They leave eight. Winning pitcher Lauer, he's 2-0. Steal the loss, he is 1-3. Home runs, Rowdy Telez, his fourth. Christian Yelich, his third. Hunter Renfro, his fifth. For the Cubs, Jan Gomes hitting his first of the year. The game lasting three hours and three minutes. Played in front of a crowd of 37,263 folks here at American Family Field. Brewers get the win 9-1. They're looking for a series sweep of the Cubs. We'll preview the series finale. We'll get you some scores from around baseball, and we'll call it a night. That's all coming up. This is Brewers Extra Innings. This is Brewers Extra Innings with Matt Foley on WTMJ. Brewers get the 9-1 win over the Cubs. They've won the first two games by a combined score of 20-2. to few kernels from this one, courtesy of our uh, our guy, Doug Kern on Twitter, D.A. Kern 74. Eric Lauer becomes the first Brewers pitcher to strike out 11 or more, allow one run or less, and get a win in a home game against the Cubs since Willie Peralta in September of 2014. Christian Yelich and Hunter Renfro, second pair of Brewers teammates, to each have three hits, two runs, and two RBIs in home games against the Cubs. The only other duo to do that. Ryan Braun and Ricky Weeks did it in May of 2014. And how about this one? Brewers, the second time in team history where they have defeated the Cubs by eight or more runs in consecutive games while also hitting multiple home runs in both those games. The other time was exactly 16 years ago, 16 years ago to the day in a couple games that were played at Wrigley with the, the Brewers uh, won by an 18-2 and a 9 nothing score. Let's get you some scores from around baseball, specifically around the NL Central. Cardinals get shut out by the Arizona Diamondbacks by 2-0 score. Miles Michaelis made the start for the St. Louis, went 7 and a third, two runs on four hits, seven strikeouts, no walks. He ends up taking the tough luck loss. Pirates get a 10-inning win against the San Diego Padres, winning by a 7-6 score. JT Brubaker making the start for the Buccos. Five innings, three runs on five hits, four strikeouts, and one walk. Michael Chavis hits a home run. His third of the season, and the Reds lose to the Rockies by a 4-3 score. Uh, Reds drop to 3-18. and That's a real record, 3-18 and for the Cincinnati Reds. Around the Brewers' minor league system, low A Carolina playing at down east. Carolina ends up losing that game by a 2-0 score. The Wisconsin Timber Rattlers, they lose at Peoria tonight. 12-2 was the final there. Double A Biloxi at home against Pensacola. Biloxi gets the 9-1 victory. And then Nashville and St. Paul playing a uh, makeshift doubleheader. Nashville wins one of the games at 12-3. They win the other by a 7-3 score. Brewers and Cubs wrap up the series tomorrow afternoon here at American Family Field. Corbin Burns going for the crew. Marcus Stroman for the Cubs. A 110 first pitch, 12:35 for network coverage. A reminder, tomorrow due to Bucks coverage, you can hear the game on 94.5 ESPN Milwaukee. That includes Brewers extra innings after the game. Tomorrow on 94.5 ESPN Milwaukee, we'll talk to you then. Brewers get the win tonight.